Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Iron Flute, Case 80. Basho does not teach. A monk asked Basho, if there is someone who does not avoid birth and death and does not realize nirvana, would you teach such a person? Fugai, what are you talking about? Basho answered, I would not teach that person. Fugai, a good teacher does not waste words. The monk said, why would you not teach that person? Fugai, what are you talking about? This old monk knows good and bad, Basho replied. Fugai, the old fellow lost his tongue. This dialogue between Basho and the monk was reported in other monasteries, and one day Tendo said, Basho may know good and bad, but he cannot take away a farmer's ox or a hungry man's food. If that monk asked me such a question, before he finished his sentence, I would hit him. Why? Because from the beginning, I do not care about good and bad. Fugai. Hmm, The pot calls the kettle black. Nyogen Senzaki's comment. Basho was a Zen master of China by the name of Kei Tetsu. The monk had imagined a free man with neither delusion nor enlightenment and wanted to know whether there was a higher teaching for such a person. Fugai, what are you talking about? saw the nonsense of this hypothesis and warned the monk. Basho said, I would not teach that person. Using the monk's own term, teach, without wasting his own words. When the monk could not understand this and asked why he would not teach that person, Basho's reply indicated he could recognize a person who needed teaching and one who did not. Fugai's comment on Basho's having lost his tongue is in praise of this straightforward answer. The Tendo mentioned here was a poet who often based his poems on the Book of Equanimity compiled by one Shi Shokaku. Taking away the ox and the food refers to the most rapid means of stripping delusions from students, striking the monk without discussing good and bad. Fugai's comment praises both Basho and Tendo. 
Genro's comment. Basho uses the gradual method, whereas Tendo employs a lightning flash. Tendo's method can be easily understood, but few can see Basho's work clearly. Fugai, what shall I say about your work? Genro, in verse. There are many different drugs to cure an illness. Arrest a person without using handcuffs. Warcraft and medicine must be studied thoroughly. Orchid in spring, chrysanthemum in autumn. And I will repeat the verse because, as usual, Fugai has something to say. But I wanted you to hear the verse first. There are many different drugs to cure an illness. Fugai. Thieves in peacetime. Arrest a person without using handcuffs. Fugai. A hero in wartime. Warcraft and medicine must be studied thoroughly. Fugai. Paradise does not need such art. Orchid in spring, chrysanthemum in autumn, fugai. Excessively beautiful flowers cause congestion in the park. Such a session. First three days with Yamakawa Roshi, expressing our thanks to Edo Roshi. Celebrating our birth, birth, and birth, and birth. Birth. And today, the commemoration of the founder of our school, Rinzai Gigen Zenji. I'm sure I've left out a few things. Hmm? No? Well, we have this complicated case today, as is often a case in the iron flute with several people in the case and several people commenting on the case and several, at least one, commenting on the comments as Dokoro Osho 
noted yesterday. And we meet Basho Essay. Some of you may remember him from Mumon Khan, The Gateless Gate, case 44. Anybody? If you have a staff. Yes, if you have a staff, I will give it to you. If you don't have a staff. No, take it away. So this basho appears in this iron flute. He was born in Korea, and he went to China. We don't know his exact dates of birth or death, but at some point he went to meet with many of the masters in China and eventually found Nanto Koyu, who lived from 850 to 938. So we have some sense of time that he was alive. And Rinzai was, of course, alive, but toward the end of his life in the 800s. Nanto, who gave Basho transmission, himself received transmission from Kyozan Ejaku whose Dharma sister, how often do we hear that phrase, was, anybody? There aren't too many women in the official lineage. Hmm? Hmm? His Dharma sister, both of them practicing together, Kyozan Ejaku and Ryu Tetsuma, also known as Iron Grinder Ryu. And how did she get that name? Hmm? She was considered very dangerous by the monks training in her day. She definitely bested them in many, many encounters, ground them up. So both she and Kyozan were heirs of Isan Reyu. So now you have some context. Those of you who have done koan work remember these rather well-known people from different koans that we have examined together. So a monk comes, and he asks Basho, if there is someone who does not avoid birth and death, in other words, causation, and does not realize nirvana, is not enlightened, 
what's the implication? If this person is not enlightened, of course he's not avoiding birth and death, cause and effect, action and consequence. And so this person may be seen to be just tossed about in the waves of samsara. So, okay, someone who does not avoid causation, therefore not enlightened. And the monk might think, well, if there is a person like that, can such a person be taught? What do you think? Yes. Yes? Yes, you know from your own experience? This is the point, right? Do we know from our own experience of feeling quite not, 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 not enlightened, not having realized, still caught up in this and that, and should I or shouldn't I, and when can I get out of here, and all kinds of things like that, right? So I think it's safe to say Most of us understand what that's like, maybe in the distant past. (laughs) Before lunch, maybe. Of course, you might feel this way, right? My, if I have to really admit it, unevolved state of mind, my foggy zazen, I can see the trees, but as for what's going on in my mind, it's pea soup. Am I worthy of Doksan? Without eyes to see and ears to hear, as the saying goes, then Maybe no matter how excellent the teaching, it cannot be received. You know, Teflon doesn't sink in, just falls right off the pan. Now, Wenong, who is he? The Sixth Ancestor, in the Platform Sutra, says this. He refers to those who care deeply about giving this dharma. A good friend, good friends. He says, what do I mean by a truly good friend? Someone who understands the teaching of the supreme vehicle and who points directly to the true path is a truly good friend, a great intermediary, a guide who helps people see their nature, and this is whole own session to truly 
express our thanks through our resolve, all right? Our thanks to these good friends and to resolve to be worthy of them. But we know in cautions, as long as your mind is full of confusion, delusion, and mistaken views, even the instruction of an external good friend won't be able to save you. So Basho says, no, I won't teach that person. Maybe he is thinking in this way. And yet, perhaps we wonder, and perhaps the monk who is questioning Basho may out of his own experience wonder, if you have compassion for someone who is caught in the endless round of birth and death, causation, that samsaric realm, why wouldn't you offer teachings? So here we all are, right? Teachings are being offered. We don't, Dokoro Osho and I, we don't stand at the door and say, you can come in, but you, no. (laughs) Out. Just being offered. Wouldn't you want to help this person realize nirvana? After all, if this person gets enlightened, then... This person will be free from causation, right? Uh Uh-oh. This is a very common way of thinking. Isn't that the definition of enlightenment? But we have an if-then construction here, right? If you get enlightened, then you will be free from causation, So this is a kind of logical and rational construction, but as we know, because we are Zen students, there is danger ahead. The fundamental example of this kind of thinking, relying on ideas and definitions instead of one's own experience, is given so clearly in the Mumong Khan case two comes right after case one, which is and we don't do case two until the entire Mumong Khan because it is so daunting. But I will speak a little bit here about what case two says regarding enlightenment and causation. He 
Each day, Hyakujo Ekai Zenji would give Taisho, and there was an old man who would be listening at the back of the assembly, he noticed. And one day, the old man stayed after the monks had gone back, and Hyakujo asked him, Who are you? And the man said, I am not a human being. Long ago, at the time of Kashyapa Buddha, I was head monk on this mountain. Someone came and asked me, does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation? And I said, no. Remember back a few moments ago, what's the definition of enlightenment? Oh, no causation, no cause and effect, no more karma, all gone. Bye-bye. This is typical thinking in the rational way that we are accustomed to. I said no. And I was condemned to 500 lifetimes as a fox. And the old man begs Yakujo to give him a turning word to release him from being a fox, from his fox karma. He asks him, please tell me, does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation? or not. And Hyakujo answers, an enlightened person does not ignore causation. At that, the old man was emancipated. He got it. He lost it. What did he lose? (laughs) (laughs) An enlightened person does not ignore. It's not about eliminating causation, karma, as if we could. And right here, in the midst of it all, no matter what, how are you right now? What are you right now? And how many lifetimes have you been this? Woof, woof. Meow. Or a human. The point is, live it fully. No reservations. And you are not thinking it should be different. Then 
your karma itself is enlightening you. Inside, this little voice is saying, but I don't like this. This is not the way I want to be enlightened. I want to find a place where I can get rid of blah, 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 right? Then, oh, perfect world, then I can become an enlightened being once there is no more of this and a lot more of that. Yeah. (laughs) And so we continue being caught up instead of embracing. You know, everything is appearing and disappearing as we chant no birth and death and no end to birth and death. And when we live our karma without bemoaning it, but I had envisioned something quite different. Why? So all of that kind of thing that goes on in the mind, if you see it, And you completely stop thinking that that's the identity you are inhabiting. When you stop believing in a separate self who is condemned to misery by outer circumstances or your own past conditioning, Then what? Okay, this is a celebration right in the midst of it. Then we can really feel, I alone am the world-honored one. And we can... Walk freely through adversity, through celebration, whatever comes. But here's the point of this koan. I have just said all of this, and it means nothing unless you realize it for yourself. Teaching when you truly know it's within your karma, not once you have eliminated it, that you will find true freedom. Then you know for yourself, as the saying goes, Then when you drink water, you know whether it is warm or cool. In the Diamond Sutra, the Buddha said, I remember that long ago, sometime during my past 500 mortal lives, I was an ascetic practicing patience. Even then, 
I was free from distinctions of separated selfhood. When my body was mutilated, my limbs cut away piece by piece by the Raja of Kalinga, had I been bound by distinctions of a separated individuality, feelings of anger and hatred would surely have been aroused in me. So you see, it's not that you are being torn apart by all the pain of your sitting limb from limb. It's because you think it's your sitting, your pain, separate, separated individuality. And Buddha said, even then, during his 500 mortal lives, not as a fox, but as a person free from distinctions of separated selfhood, free from distinctions. That's where freedom lies. So it's up to each of us to see when we are feeling this intense misery. Is it something out there that's happening to me? Buddha said, had I been bound by distinctions of a separated individuality, that's where the yoke of causation appears. Five hundred lifetimes he led, free of a separated individuality. So we are here, session, sitting, 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 session after session. It takes many breakthroughs, many deep realizations to wipe away such distinctions. And as many of you have experienced, they have a way of worming their way back through. (laughs) And then you get angry. And then you realize, oh, my anger is because I am seeing this as a separated individuality, and I don't have to do that. And I can be friendly toward these little familiar appearances. So we are going deeper. We are seeing how we have constructed this box. We are 
noticing that from time to time there is no law creating separated feeling and that in fact it's that separated individuality in whom we believe that creates a box Though we are practicing patience just as Buddha Shakyamuni did. Patient forbearance. That's what sitting is all about, isn't it? No, no, my sitting is all about bliss. Okay, wonderful. But very often, not so. Point is, it doesn't matter. Isn't that a relief? Oh, that good sitting. What are you talking about, said Fugai. We have to be our own Fugai. Whatever comes up, don't believe it. It's going to capture you, put you back in the box, and you won't fit. You'll be very uncomfortable (laughs) because you've already gone beyond. So don't let that thing happen again and again and again and again because of your erroneous beliefs in your separated selfhood. So we come to this practice and we learn patient forbearance and we return again and again. Lifetime after lifetime practice, whether as a fox, a cockroach, or a human, doesn't matter. Once we have encountered this dharma, whatever the karma, we are free. Just don't buy into your own thoughts. That's where the problem lies. And it is urgent to see, to really practice, as Daito Kokushi said, exert yourself. But doing this, exerting yourself, not with a gaining idea, what you find out, this exert yourself just means return to one. Return, return, return. Stop concocting. Let it go. Be here. And practice. This means everything we do to really do it with attentiveness, with reverence, with tenderness. Realizing that the tea ceremony expression, Ichigo Ichie, to do one thing, one time. In other words, not to dash around trying to take care of everything all at once because you don't have the time to do. If you just do one thing with this reverential mind, everything has its own time. 
You know that from the Tenzo, right? Mm -hmm. More and more, coming into that feeling. Just this. Then, spacious mind. Just this. This doesn't mean to meander around and waste a single moment. It means be right here, right now. Attentive, sharp, brisk. Well, you know, we do find that it does take a great effort to be with it from moment to moment, because why? It goes in the face of everything we've been taught, which is what we should do and how we should be and what we should have and what will be fulfilling and all of that business about worldly success and monastery protocol and hierarchy, all that bullshit. I'm telling you as the abbot, it's bullshit. Because you get caught up in it. You get enslaved by it. To be completely free and come on, get with it. Right? So that all beings can feel your care, your concern, nothing in the way. Not that, well, I think what I, mm, I, I guess the reason I did that that way was because, mm, don't waste your life. Don't waste our time. So, we, we must have this patience. And in the midst of this great effort, we can feel on the sixth day of session such ease. It is our effort, each one of us, that has brought this about. What is there to do, really? What did Rinzai say? Yes, Buji. Be this person with nothing to do. Realize that you have not been appointed the director of the universe. <laughs> the universe directs itself so well when you don't get in the way with your views and opinions. So there's, this koan has so many levels. There's another way of seeing Basho's answer. I would not teach that person. This is exactly like, oh, you, Enon Zenji, of whom we heard yesterday. What did he do? People would come up with all kinds of answers to his barriers, and he would just 
eyes closed. Not a word of approval or disapproval. And of course, we experience this as must be disapproval, right? If he didn't say, oh, that's a good answer, then I guess it was a bad answer. Mm -hmm. And we fall into this trap all the time. But what he was doing was holding fast, not letting go, holding fast, and not putting a hand on you, a hand that you might want because it would be reassuring, oh, they're there, yes, must be very nice, okay. No hand on that sitting person. And everyone who came with their answers wanted that hand. Give me a hand here. Lend a hand. But the beauty of this practice that teachers may use from time to time called holding fast is that you are not weakened. That wonderful kanji, very deep, very deep. So monk doesn't get it, persists. Why not? Why would you not teach that person? And Bhugar says again, what are you talking about? And Basho then says, this old monk knows good and bad. Now there are several ways to understand this too. One that you might think of immediately is that he has a discerning eye, right? He knows good and bad. Okay, he sees this person as Nyogen Senzaki says he could recognize a person who needed teaching and one who did not or maybe one who could not receive the teaching. Basho has this eye. And it's essential for each of us, really, to cultivate this eye. This comes from our practice. If we don't have the discernment, how can we offer anything to anyone else? How can we engage in right action without having discernment. Now, Master Rinzai has quite a lot to say about discernment. Everybody has read the book of Rinzai, right? Very important for your practice. Do not be afraid. So often people want to have some easy uh, kind of, um, what do they call it, like uh, 
I remember with Plato, they had this book. Of, what do they call it? Footnotes. Huh? Footnotes. Cliff notes. Cliff notes. Yeah. And people think, okay, I'll just read the cliff notes. And so many books have been written in the last hundred years, and they're all cliff notes, I'm sorry to say. This Rinzai something. He says, when asked, what is genuine insight? Just enter the secular, enter the sacred, enter the defiled, enter the pure, enter the lands of the Buddhas, enter the tower of Maitreya, Enter the Dharmadhatu of Vairochana. Every land is revealed, coming into being, continuing, decaying, and passing into emptiness. The Buddha appears in this world, turns the great Dharma wheel, and then enters Parinirvana. Nothing has its own substance. There is only the person who, not relying on anyone, listens to the Dharma. She is the mother of the Buddhas. Buddhas are born from non-reliance. If you truly awaken to that non-reliance, you will discover that Buddhahood is nothing special to attain. Insight such as this is genuine insight. And he speaks further about discernment a little later in this. He says, This is the trouble. I love him so much. I have all these little notes and, you know. Anyway, I think I finally found what I wanted to read. In the past, I studied the Vinaya intensively, and I also investigated the sutras and shastras. Later, I realized that these were mere prescriptions for medicine and superficial descriptions. Eventually, I relinquished them all. 
search for the way, and started to practice Zen. Later, I met outstanding teachers. At last, my Dharma eye became clear. Thus, I could discern all kinds of teachers under heaven and tell the true from the fake. This discerning eye was not with me when I was born from my mother, but rather after extreme discipline and ceaseless investigations, one day, all of a sudden, I could clearly see who I am. And this is most important for us to clearly see, to clearly have this discerning eye. Because, as you know, every moment you are being challenged. Here, in your lives, whether you're you're in the city or in the country or at the monastery, How you respond is a matter of considerable importance. So that has to do with this old monk knows good and bad on one level. But the complexity of this koan goes on. Basho knows. He says, this old monk knows. He's intimate with it. his own experience of good and bad as one, as always changing, flowing in accordance with circumstances. To be fully alive, once again, to be fully alive in samsara is none other than Nirvana. After all, what's wrong with a person who does not avoid karma, who does not avoid birth and death? What's wrong? Just living it. Does not realize, does not have so-called enlightenment? Okay. With the readiness of time, what's the rush? So, if you see it this way, you should feel quite encouraged. Wherever you are right now in your journey of realization is just perfect. And has already changed. 
Yogan Senzaki said, America has Zen all the time. Why should I meddle? It's making these kinds of assumptions, samsara, nirvana, that create problems. And yet another way of looking at this basho, I would not teach. Rinzai's teacher, Obaku, said, in all this land, there is no Zen teacher. I do not say that there is no Zen, but that there are no Zen teachers. Now this summer we will have the American Association of Zen Teachers here. So I promised I would give a talk, and guess what my topic will be? <laughs> no Zen teachers. And this is a koan. In, so Yasutani Roshi, in replying, giving an answer to this koan, said, how can Zen be taught? I would not teach that person. How can Zen be taught? Rinzai said, This mountain monk has not a single dharma to give to people. All I can do is cure diseases and untie bonds. Bonds as in shackles, not what you might be hoping to get some interest rate on. So I was thinking, what would I say? I would say, I'm just along for the ride. I'm not the captain. I'm not the pilot. I'm not the magistrate. I'm not the magician. I and all of you passengers on this great vehicle are together in this, what we call Zen. Are we there yet? Have we gotten to where we're going on this Mahayana? Well, the final words of Rinzai in the chapter that I've been quoting from Ascending the High Seat were the, these. Just look into yourself. What else is there? I can talk like this to you forever. 
But each of you must do it by yourself. This is the greatest teaching, right? Yogan Senzaki, in his comment, talks about Nendo, excuse me, Tendo Nyojo. And this is the Tendo that said, Basho may know good and bad, but he cannot take a farmer's ox or a hungry man's food. If that monk asked me such a question, before he finished his sentence, I would hit him. Why? Because from the beginning, I do not care about good and bad. I think Tendo did not really get Basho. Fugai says, the pot calls the kettle black. You get it? Tendo is commenting on Basho and saying, he may know good and bad, but he cannot. What is taking away a farmer's ox or a hungry man's food? He cannot deprive a student. Just this one blow. I can do it, Sotendo says. He was a highly regarded poet as well as a Zen master in the Soto school who lived from 1162 to 1227. He was three generations after Wanshi Shokaku who compiled the Book of Equanimity. And Tendo was also, this is very interesting, he was the Chinese master under whom Dogen awakened when he went to China and heard him say, does anybody remember? You were there. Anyway, one day, Tendo said to his monks, this morning is the first day of spring. The poetry of the pomegranate blossoms enters its samadhi. How can such words be expressed? He lifted his whisk and said, Witness a single red speck of the myriad karmic streams. The spring colors that move us need not be many. The myriad karmic streams. The very subtle colors of this early spring on Daibosatsu Mountain.
そう場所はい。Uses the gradual method, whereas Tendo employs a lightning flash. Tendo's method can be easily understood. Whack! I got it. Ouch. But few can see Basho's work clearly. And of course, Fugai had to put a little oar in. He said, What shall I say about your work? This is his teacher, Genro. Genro answers in verse There are many different drugs to cure an illness. What does this mean? First of all, what is illness? Ignorance, right?、Mm-hmm. Vimalakirti said, I am ill because all beings are ill. And many different drugs are needed. What is this? Methods.、Hmm? Methods, skillful means, right? What is the most appropriate? This again returns to. Is your eye discerning? Because if you prescribe the wrong drug, you could kill someone, right? Yeah. And then arrest a person without using handcuffs. When you can act so skillfully, A person whom you have deprived doesn't even realize he or she has been caught. To teach another, arrest without using handcuffs. And then, warcraft and medicine must be studied thoroughly. Whether you're a general in the field, a politician in the capital, or a surgeon in the operating room, know what it is you must do. 
This is all of us, okay? Whatever circumstances we may find ourselves in, what is most appropriate? And his last line, orchid in spring, chrysanthemum in autumn. See? White chrysanthemum among those cherry blossoms. Each blooming in its own season. Each of us coming into flower in exactly the most extraordinary and perfect way. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.